Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher, and I'm so grateful for today's conversation. It's an important one because everyone is struggling, and the struggle is personal for each of us. Today's guest acknowledges that and leads with the mantra, what matters most? It's a mantra that has served her well, leading through the multiple phases of the pandemic in the senior living profession. Tracy Whitaker is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Masonic Homes, Kentucky. But what you really need to know about Tracy is her insight on what burnout is and how to deal with it. Listen in as she shares her personal experience with burnout. She'll break down the buckets of burnout, which very much broadened how I had been thinking about burnout. And she'll also talk about how she has used those different types of burnout in combination with her focus on what matters most. My biggest takeaway, burnout is personal and the drivers are different for each of us at different times. Check it out. I started my human resources career in retail. And since then, uh, I've worked in nonprofits and also in professional services. I started at Masonic Homes Kentucky in 2010. I did not have a healthcare background, and our company is a senior living uh, community. We have three locations in Kentucky, very healthcare oriented, and I did not have that experience. So they took a chance on me, and I have learned so many invaluable lessons working in healthcare and learning a different side of human resources and how really to change my approach to be more effective in a highly, highly regulated profession, but also ever changing. And certainly the pandemic brought that change to a whole new level, if you want to look at it that way. I never imagined that uh, you know, the last part of my career would be spent dealing with a pandemic. That was never on my radar, <laughs> not even something I even dreamt about, right? You think about all the scenarios, all the possibilities, that was not even on a list of, of 10 things. <laughs> I wouldn't even pick that. I would pick nine other things before that one. And the past two years now, has, has just been enlightening for me and certainly for everyone on our leadership team at Masonic and all of our employees. It's been a very different uh, situation and it created a lot of camaraderie in a unique way. And it also led to now what we're seeing as, as a sort of the aftermath, or I would say phase two or phase three of the pandemic is burnout and dealing with the burnout, uh, which has been really magnified because also of the workforce you know, the, the pipeline for healthcare employees is really dwindling. And it, it's been dwindling in Kentucky for quite some time. So this just really made it uh, so much more prevalent. So we've got, you know, situations now with burnout, and then also just kind of reevaluating what are we doing to really support our employees and provide them with resources, and also have people want to come to work at Masonic. You know, right now, there are a lot of competition, not just for skilled, licensed healthcare workers, but hospitality, maintenance, environmental. So the list goes on. It's not just the direct care employees that we are really focusing on. It's everyone. Yeah, it's everyone. And I'm grateful to hear that you have such an eye on it and such an eye on what's happening with your team members. And I want to talk more about that, but I want to go back and connect the dots a little bit because, you know, you, you, you talked about how 
nothing had prepared you for leading through a pandemic. And yet, you know, you are someone who describes yourself as thriving in chaos. Like you're not a traditionalist. You, I mean, you jumped into an industry that you didn't know anything about. So I suspect that there are some natural attributes that you have that have served you well leading through this time. Yes, I do. I, I really love being flexible and working through problems in a non-traditional way. I would say as an HR practitioner, professional, I am not a traditionalist. And, you know, I, I'll look at things in an innovative light, and that's what Masonic's all about. So that's what really keeps me motivated at Masonic. We're always looking for innovation. And, you know, we don't stop. We don't stop and rest on our laurels. None of us do. So that whole piece right there is... You know, but my foundation was based on a very strong HR knowledge base. I've been working for other organizations, uh, volunteer leadership in SHRM, Kentucky SHRM, ASHRA. So I used all of those experience and gained so much knowledge. I've got a good base as far as that goes. Um, so yes, you know, when, when the pandemic first started, we just rolled up our sleeves and we got to work and we, we started thinking differently because we knew what we had to do. So that is exactly right. It isn't that I didn't have the right skill set to get me through this. It's just the the surprise of how fast something can come at you out of the blue and dealing with it that way. But I do. I've got very good coping skills, and that has absolutely served me well, and especially loving change and really thriving on, you know, what, what can we do differently so that we can be more successful? Those words, how fast something can come at you. So you took all of that resilience and your ability to cope and lead through the chaos and you jumped right in, right? I mean, you were working a lot of hours for a long, long time. And I know you yourself experienced burnout. Tell us about that. And had had you ever experienced that before in the way that you have? Never. You know, stress is one thing, but when you're we were faced with coming, our, our corporate leadership team, especially, and all of our employees and every community leader, hourly employees, we were all here many, many hours just trying to figure out what's the next curveball that's going to come. And, you know, when you do that for two years, it really creates an opportunity to take a good hard look at what are my priorities. So no, I've never experienced uh, burnout. And I thought, oh my gosh, that can't happen to me. You know, we're sending information out for our employees because I can see it. My goodness, our healthcare heroes, they have just been at it and they're the direct care frontline, all of them. So we're just here to support and provide the right resources but, you know, the, it, the burnout part of it was a new experience for me. And I realized that I was experiencing burnout when it was only the first few months of the pandemic. And my husband and I had some vacations planned for that summer, which, of course, that all went by the wayside because of the pandemic. And it was a long time before really any of us got to have some downtime just to decompress and get away from it all. And when I was able to do that, I realized how much I needed that and how much I needed to recharge my brain, my thinking, and really my outlook. Because as COVID progressed, it was more, more routine then. And now we're really looking at the strategies on how are we going to make sure that our workforce stays intact. We help Kentucky build the pipeline. We help Masonic build the pipeline. So yeah, I, I've never experienced burnout. Uh, and I was able to recognize that only because I, I was able to decompress. 
Yeah. So it was, it was when you stepped away from it that you realized like, wow, I'm, I'm not in a good place here. Right. Exactly. So how do you define burnout? Because you said stress is one thing. Burnout is very different. How do you define it? I want to say, you know, you become tired, exhausted. And then that just, that just sucks the enthusiasm out of anybody. So to me, burnout is, it's being tired, but it's also always on super high charge to try to figure out the next possible turn that the pandemic can take or that your project can take or that your life can take. And that is really when I, how I describe burnout is it's a personal, it's a personal aspect. I think everyone has a different way of describing it. It might be burnout in skill. It might be burnout because you got a bunch of deadlines or with this pandemic though, for me, burnout was just really feeling weary. And knowing that I was excited about my job, I love Masonic. It's just, you know, that constant being on your toes. It's very wearing. It's very wearing on you. So I would say, you know, being tired, being a little bit weary about, oh gosh, can I keep up this pace? That's the other thing too. The pace has been tremendous. And how long can someone keep that up? You were working many hours for two years. I mean, it wasn't like this was a short-term thing. This was over a prolonged period of time. That's right. So at what point within that two-year time frame did you realize that, oh my gosh, I'm burned out? It was actually this past um, spring and early summer. Of 2021. Yes, 2021. So this year, 2021, it hit me hard. So that is after about two years, isn't it? Yes. Well, yeah, about a year and a half or so into this. And, you know, I had, I had some health issues that came up and just working through those, I just realized, uh, number one, how much I needed time to get away and to decompress. And we did that. So it was about a year and a half that uh, I really started to take stock in what was happening with me personally. And then also simultaneously what's happening with, you know, my team at Masonic, our employees, and what, what is the long-term impact of this pandemic just on the worker? Yeah. What is the long-term impact? And so you guys are seeing that impact directly. I mean, being in healthcare. So how are you talking to your team members about burnout? We started this back in really late 2020. I'd say fourth quarter of 2020. We could see it coming and we were already experiencing it. So we sent out communication to our employees, lots of different ways, mailers to their homes, emails, any type of meetings that we were having, we were talking about it and really putting tools in the hands of the managers because they have to be able to spot burnout. That also means spotting burnout for yourself too, because we want our managers to take good care of them. So we, we focused on that communication and what we have done recently, this has been evolving. We came across an article, one of my colleagues on our HR team came across an article that was um, sponsored by or sent out by ActiveTrack. And that identified seven different buckets of burnout. I'd never looked at burnout as far as buckets. You know, I look at just my own personal experience, what I see in others. I think about all that as just, you know, work. It's the steady, steady drone of of getting to work, making it happen, caring for residents, all of the things that really are on the shoulders of our employees. They do it exceptionally well. But you know what? There are so many things to look for. So now what we've done is provide for our managers these different different ways of looking at burnout and different things to look for. We're focusing a lot of that on, I would say, personal burnout with employees and also culture. You know, we want to make sure that our culture is 
remains very strong. And that's what really helped me look at in our senior leadership team, how do we identify what matters most? Last year, starting in the pandemic, well, first of all, Masonic, we have a history of thankfully providing lots of resources for our employees. Um, You know, we have Christmas bonuses, Christmas gifts. We make sure that they have access to the EAP, transportation if they need it. We've always been as supportive as possible with our employees. And that is really a breath of fresh air to be an HR provider, HR professional in this environment. I've been so blessed. So what what happened in 2020 is we were just doing all kinds of things, food trucks, little contests, you know, uh, Easter, wear your Easter rabbit ears day, anything to bring fun back into the workplace and create a little pocket part of the day that could be kind of fun and relaxing. So as we look back at what we've been spending on all of this employee appreciation, it added up to quite a bit. And we still have an issue with the workforce pipeline. So we're not, we weren't seeing the results based on our efforts, so to speak. So that's when we took a look again at it and really focused on, okay, what matters most? What is the most important to each individual employee? What are the common themes? What bare necessities or basic, basic necessities do our employees not have? You know, in healthcare, we have a lot of entry-level employees making hourly wages. And there are a lot of struggles. A lot of people are struggling. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is. It doesn't matter your demographic. Everyone seems to be struggling in a different way related to this pandemic and the unknown to come. So that's, that's how we got to this what matters most. Before what matters most, our HR focus was keep it real you know what, keep it real. What what are the things that we can do to kind of keep it real for our employees to understand what they're going through that might impact how they come to work and how they present? And that switched over to this what matters most because what we were doing and how we were recognizing employees, it just wasn't giving us the payback and it wasn't giving our employees the payback so that we can hire people to stay. Retention is a big issue in healthcare. It's a big issue in a lot of other industries, but certainly in healthcare because of the pipeline being so diminished. So that's how we came up with what matters most. And I have embraced that. And my team has embraced that. Our senior leadership team has. Yeah. Well, and I so appreciate your focus on what matters most to each individual because you've really highlighted over and over that it is a very personal struggle that everyone is per- everyone is struggling, but the struggle looks different for each of us. Our jumping off points are different. So you're meeting everyone where they are through that. Yes. And the other thing that goes with that, meeting people where they are, is also looking at, well, what does retention mean? And that goes back to what matters most. We now know and are really focusing in on this is that, you know, someone will come to Masonic and chances are they may not stay here 20 years. This might not be their last stop in their career or their personal life. So now we're looking at well, what matters most to you. Are you looking for a job that will get you through your, you know, the next two semesters of college? Are you looking for a job that will lift you up and help you get a certification that you might use differently down the road? So retention for us, certainly it's the traditional way of looking at it. Yes, we want people to stay at Masonic because they love 
love it. Keep them engaged, help them achieve their goals. But sometimes that means a shorter stay. So are you coming for six months? Do you need to be here for a year? What type of schedule do you need? What type of flexibility can we offer? So even with our candidates, our recruiting team are really focusing on what matters most to you. And then how does that fit into that particular department that we're hiring for and that particular you know, manager's needs? So we're, we're a lot more intentional with what retention means and how we view that. Yeah, that's that's so great. I suspect that bumps up against some consistency around talent processes, uh, ensuring that everyone gets the same experience because everyone has very different needs. So, like, how have you navigated that that balance of consistency with individualization? Several things. One thing we learned with COVID is that our orientation process needed to be uh, redone. We had to look at it differently and be much more flexible. So now we're offering virtual orientations, uh, in-person orientation classes. We're also able to streamline, again, what matters most. What do our new employees need before they start working in direct care and hospitality environmental before they go to their department that will help them be successful. So we have totally revamped our orientation process to really include some of the basics and not as much of the fluff, if you will. You know, we, we really have focused on what do you need to be successful? So we now have an orientation process that we can do within four to five hours, basic orientation. And then that in turn helped us reserve more time for the actual skill set piece of working with um, other employees, learning a new role, learning how to document medical information. All of those things are so important. And so that allowed us to push more time to, again, what matters most to the success of an employee and how to do your job really matters most. And we weren't necessarily attaching that to the orientation piece, but now we are. But now you are. I see. So that helps you connect with each individual as well. And so you're creating a consistent experience, but within that, you're connecting with each individual's needs. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, so this is so good. I'm loving all of it. But I want to go back to those seven buckets. So you talked a little bit about, so you said that came from an Active Track article, really focused on personal burnout. Can you bring the seven buckets to life for us? I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. The first one is deadline burnout, and that occurs when specific deadlines are, you know, maybe they're too aggressive or they're compounded by obstacles or other work comes up that's more important and maybe you have a difficult time prioritizing. I think about COVID and that certainly brought that to light because of all of the regulatory changes that were coming at us every single day. You know, where do you land? How do you figure that out? So deadline burnout is a very specific way to look at maybe poor performance or someone who suddenly becomes disengaged. It's drilling down and trying to figure out what is a deadline burnout. Is there too much right now? And can I help someone reprioritize? That's the first type. And again, I never looked at it that way. And then the culture burnout, that happens, you know, when a group uh, within an organization, they have reached levels of exhaustion. And, the, and that are uncomfortable. And then also it's kind of exacerbated by the shared exhaustion of others. That to me really, really says a lot about the healthcare worker, the direct employee, the healthcare hero, 
because it is, you know, a big job and an important job to make sure that our residents have exceptional care and they deliver, our employees deliver that day in and day out without fail. We have really shined through this pandemic, kept our residents safe. So there's this culture burnout that happens because again, you may have a baby working overtime. A lot of our employees are working overtime and really having to kind of work in a different way. And you get to that point where that's where we're focusing now is, okay, culture burnout is when employees reach the point that they know that they're high achievers, everything's working well, but I'm working all kinds of hours and I've got to do stuff at home. You know, when the school's closed, I've got to do, you know, NTI with my child. Uh, I can't get to work because the bus line changed their schedule. So all of those things add up to this culture burnout. That was the second thing that was very eye-opening to me. Then the third is, you know, personal burnout. I think I've already talked about that enough and everyone, everyone can, I feel like most people can certainly relate to that and know what that means. That's the traditional burnout. And then the passion burnout, that is when an individual faces I'd say a particular work topic, a skill set, or a set of work activities that becomes overwhelming because maybe they don't feel like they have the right skills, they don't have the right information, they don't have the right knowledge or the confidence to perform that job. So while you come in, you know, you're dedicated, go in and get your, your RN degree, you spend a lot of money, a lot of effort, passion is absolutely there. But if we don't provide the right skill set and the right resources, then that passion can certainly be impacted by that. And most of our our healthcare heroes, I would say all of them have a certain level of passion. They might describe it differently, but you've got to keep that intact in order to be an effective healthcare hero for sure. So passion burnout, again, was an interesting concept. And then skill burnout. If someone is really not able to do the job well, it's just not for them, that's not in their wheelhouse, that can be very stressful. Maybe I went into a particular profession or industry, I thought I was going to love it. And suddenly I realized this skill set is not something that I'm good at. I thought I would be, but I'm not. So the skill burnout uh, is something else that we're kind of taking a look at as well to make sure, again, what matters most. We bring someone in, where will you shine the most? What's your passion? What's your skill level? What is it that you feel like you have an aptitude for and the passion for? So skill burnout was another interesting piece. And then alignment burnout. So the entire organization, you know, we have a mission, passionate people, inspiring lives. That's our purpose statement. And there is sometimes can be a disconnect between, let's say, what, you know, what an, what an employee sees as perhaps their vision or their personal purpose. Is there a conflict with what the company's vision is? Does it still fit in? So that whole alignment, am I aligning with the values of my organization? Are those the same values that I have as well? I will say at Masonic, over and over and over again, our employees line up with our purpose statement, passionate people, inspiring lives. So that is one area that we we know that at Masonic, we, we are not really focusing on that because we have amazing employees and we're all lined up with that purpose statement. So those are the seven buckets that we learned about through this article that randomly came to my colleague on the HR team. And that's really what we've been providing for our managers. So that helped us, again, just reiterates the importance of what matters most. 
because everyone in their in their personal lives they'll have things that happen that impact their work life and we've had many many employees you know many that have had family family issues family tragedies they've you know lost access to the basic necessities uh, maybe their electricity is about to be cut off and a lot of things that that happened because covid disrupted so much of the infrastructure in many communities that just impacted a lot of employees in a very different way that you know we weren't anticipating yeah i see the connection to what matters most i mean cuz as you were talking through those Tracy, I mean, it, it really broadened my perspective around burnout. It really, I look at these things as like the drivers of burnout. I think it could really help individuals to drill into what's going on with me, what's important to me, what matters most to me. So I, I can see the value in using it with managers and team members to just to help them explore and to help leaders help the people that they're leading throughout this through this crazy time. Yes. It has to be it has to be the forefront because again in healthcare it is so prevalent and lots of outside influences. So we really want to band together to make sure that we look out for each other and that we really look for those signals and signs. We can't do enough communication, enough education, enough support and providing resources for burnout. You know, we we just want to make sure that we keep that going over and over. Yeah. And, and what, what's triggering me may or may not be triggering you. I mean, that's why those, the buckets of burnout is a really great way to to think about that. Thank you for bringing those to life to us and for using those to really hone into what matters most to each of your team members. So helpful. Yes. We, like I said, it was a, it was an eye-opening article to read and uh, we, it has really helped us con- continue our thinking on what matters most. And you're right. It's very individualized very individualized. And that's quite a quite an undertaking to try to figure out what every single employee, what matters most. But there are lots of ways that we can do that. And we're going to make sure that we you know, hit as many high points as possible. Absolutely. Well, Tracy, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you sharing your journey over the last couple of years and how how enlightening it has been for you. You know, it, what a great example this is of someone leading through significant challenges, but really learning from it and being better for it. You're a great model for that. Well, thank you so much, Andrea. I also have to give a lot of um, credit and support for our um, CEO and our president. They set the tone for what happens at Masonic and they're real people. And they are also trying to figure out with our employees and everybody what matters most. So we've got a very supportive leadership team. They're second to none. And that that really is what sets the stage for our success. And I'm always grateful for that. I will always be grateful for that. Well, thank you, Tracy. If our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? The best way is on LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.